Thank you for joining us for Friends and Followers, a podcast brought to you by the Seton Shrine, where stories of those who were inspired by Mother Seton's life and mission are shared. It is our hope that you might find inspiration as well, and a deeper understanding about who Elizabeth Ann Seton is. And you can subscribe to this podcast to receive the latest episodes. We hope that you enjoyed them. Thank you. Hi, Anne. How are you this morning? I'm feeling good. Oh, good. It's a bit chilly today again. <laughs> yeah, it is. It is too cold. Um, so, as you know, when I talked to you last week, we just kind of wanted to talk to you about um, what you remember and your experiences and also what Elizabeth means to you. Is- okay, that's good. Okay. 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 So we're excited to have you because, um, you know, I I don't know. Have you been able to follow us or listen to any one episode of our friends and followers podcast? I haven't. I I haven't even had time to even look isn't that terrible? No, it's not terrible at all. But um, but it seemed to be going really well. And so, you know, we always try to pick different people and mix it up between people of the past to people that are still with us today living and they, um, and they have a strong friendship with St. Elizabeth Ann Seton. So we're excited to do this with you. And I hope that, you know, um, that you're looking forward to it <laughs> because we thought it would be a really great podcast to just kind of get on record, I guess, of what your experience is and just share with the world. Because I was just telling Lisa, if you don't mind, <laughs> I was just telling Lisa this morning, I think what's really unique about you and about St. Elizabeth St. Seton and the situation here with us in the Seton Shrine is that not every saint actually has a living memory or a living person that contributed to their sainthood. Um, I can't think of any saint right now that's even up for maybe canonization. Yeah. Where? I mean, I'm sure today because some are modern, but mm-hmm. certainly when you were going through it, it that was a rarity for sure, mm-hmm. I think. Um, and to still be you know, here today that we can talk to you almost 70 years later is pretty great. <laughs> yeah. So a person that lived over 200 years ago <laughs> to a person that literally grew up with St. Elizabeth Ann Seton on the forefront all your life and to be able to talk to you, I think it's just super special. Yeah, so we're honored that you're taking this time to talk with us. Do you have any, before we actually get started, do you have any questions for us, Anne, on what to expect? Um, not really, you know, I can just, you know, give you the best I got. Okay, that's yeah. perfect. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we just hope that this can be a little bit more conversational um, with you, so feel free to share whatever comes to mind, what you want to talk about. So I just really just thought the best way to start is to start kind of at the beginning. Now, you were very young. I mean, you were like, what, about four and a half when you were sick with leukemia? 
Yeah, born in Taylor. So you probably don't remember much, or do you remember at all being like that sick? I was reading through this one site that had like all of your, um, I think, pretty personal information. It had like doctor's notes and everything from when you were in the hospital and some of your uh, medical records. And um, I mean, you were very sick. So do you remember yeah. much of it? No, I, I do remember it. Um, I mean, I didn't know I was sick because I was four and a half. I just knew I was, you know, made to go there and get needles and um, things like that. And I knew my mom uh, at one point with the sisters, because I, I was in two different hospitals, University of Cincinnati. And um, the sisters would say, you ready, you know, going to heaven, and my mother would say, no, not yet. Yeah. Yeah, I actually thought, um, I really like your mother, <laughs> because just some of the things that she said, just being so um, determined that this was not your time, and really having that trust um, in God that this was not the time that you were gonna, that you were gonna die. And I just thought, um, you know, she she was 29, right? She was pretty young. Yeah. And yeah. Um, you had, she had several other children at that time, right? If I'm not, yeah. Yeah, my mom had my sister Jeannie, because uh, she's two years um, younger than me, and then my sister Mary Margaret was uh, a newborn. Okay. So she had to give her up for uh, a while. Oh. She had the baby, but to be with me, because you know, with all that's going on, she did. Uh, my aunt Rita took the baby. Oh wow! It was with, with my sister Mary. Yeah, and I mean, she, it was the hardest thing to do. Yeah, and it was the hardest thing for my aunt Rita to give the baby back. Oh, I bet. I mean, that makes me think that um, there's another similarity, really, with Elizabeth and your mom, really, because she. She had to leave her newborn, Rebecca, when she went to Italy to care for her husband, essentially. Um, so I'm sure that was extremely difficult for your mom to have to leave yeah. your sister. Um, to, but she needed to take care of you. So I think that that really shows a lot of strength there. I also thought it was kind of neat that your dad's name was William Richard. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, yeah. My mother said she was a little um, so it's funny here because when people start talking to us about why they're drawn to Elizabeth, you start seeing all these similarities, and I can see that in your life too. Just little things like that, like your dad's name, it's kind of neat. Um, yeah. So you went in the hospital, it was actually February 17th, if you don't remember. Um, so that's tomorrow, yeah. so actually 70 years ago tomorrow oh, wow. was when you went in the hospital. Um, and that was St. Agnes Hospital, uh, correct? Yeah. yeah. And you were diagnosed with acute lymph lymphatic leukemia? Leukemia, lymphatic leukemia, yep. yeah. Um, and the doctors were pretty, um, well, they were not hopeful, I mean, at all. They really told your parents to expect you to die, right? Yeah. Yeah, so I um, I thought that was pretty hard, but then they, they released you, like you went home for a while, right? And then they had you come back for transfusions and they even tried a new medication, it sounds like. Yeah. Yeah, I was, I think it was, I, I, I'm probably not saying the medicine right, but I knew it was like aminoctrine or something like that. I don't, I don't know. I okay. just remember that word being thrown around, a lot of that medicine thrown around. 
Yeah, and then you went, it sounds like you went back in the hospital, which was April 9th. So that was the day before Holy Thursday, because now you had chicken pox on top of having leukemia. <laughs> yeah, so I'm just thinking you're like poor little body. I mean, how much more could it have taken? Um, and then if I if I can ask a question, um, and by this time, did you understand being four years old, like understand everything that was just happening around you? Or were you still very much? Well, I'm just well, sick. You, you, what you do is you, because I have, you know, grandchildren, and, I, and I've got great-grandchildren, so I, I see the little mindset. Generally, I'm focused on, um, like, my little grandson, he was sick, you know, and he was just so grateful that I was taking care of him, and you know, he's not thinking about dying or anything. You know, you just are, are just sick, and you depend on your parents. So I guess that's what it is. It's where you're not really realizing the danger you're in. Right. Right. You know, and that's, yeah. And so I never knew I was really dying. Mm -hmm. You know, right. I I just knew that I was sick. <laughs> and, mm -hmm. um, and I remember blood transfusions. I remember my mom, you know, she would have, she would have to leak because it had the cribs over in the hospital. And I would cry, and she would stay there. She hold my, I would hold her finger so tight to make sure I, she could. And sometimes I knew when she was trying to slip away, you know, slip her finger out, and I grab it, you know. And, and then, but she was pregnant with my sister Mary, you oh know. My gosh. And at one point, <laughs> she, she was torn, you know. I'm dying, which you know I didn't know I was dying, but. And uh, and she had to she had to go deliver the baby. <laughs> the baby uh, was well, and, uh, so um, and, and, so however that all worked, you know, her having to be in the hospital, having the baby, and then I don't know how much time she was uh, had to rest to give the baby back because I'm still sick. My sister was born February the 29th. It was leap year. Wow, so you, you were right in the thick of it. So you had an older sister, then your mom had a few-month-old, a young baby that was with your aunt, and now she's giving birth to another baby, and she has a daughter that's so sick. I mean, it's so interesting when I hear these stories about children that are so sick, it really is the mothers that are pushing you know, forward and having to have all that strength. Um, and, right. But I think, like you said, your mother's determination that, no, this is not my daughter's time and just trusting that you were not going to die from this. Right. So um, at St. Agnes Hospital is where your mom meets Sister Mary Alice Fowler? Yeah. Okay. Because my, my mom, you know, um, her faith, she's always had a great faith. So um, she wanted to take me to Lourdes. Okay. But they didn't like, have the money to do that. Or, I mean, I was probably that sick, it was probably not wise, but um, but they couldn't do it. Then Sister Mary Alice came, but she was praying then also to St. Teresa's Little Flower. Okay. Uh, and she asked St. Teresa's Little Flower to send her the sign of the rose. And she got the rose, and then Sister Mary Alice came and told her about Mother Seton. And she knew then that was it. Oh, wow. She, she knew <laughs> I was going to get well. But the more they all prayed, the worse I got. So she... And then, Go ahead. And then she, um, 
I think it was Holy Week. She, uh, I was, you know, really dying, and um, and there was. And so she decided she was taking me up to Emmersburg and to lay me on Mother's Day's tomb. And um, she did on Good Friday. Her and my dad put a, uh, a mattress in the back of the station wagon. They had a lot of that, you know, those things and those things. And they took me up there. Now, I don't remember the trip up there, but I do remember being played with the father's Stower that I guess, I mean, I just knew him later, but I, I know who he was later. This priest took my mother and father, they laid me on the two, and they took, then they took me over to the White House and put me, and I did feel a little, like, fearful or something or something as a kid standing in the rope, and it roped off then where she had died. I do remember that. I remember the tomb as much as I remember the room. Oh, wow. And, um, and then went back to the hospital, that was Good Friday, and then Easter Monday, um, Sister Mary Alice told my mother my boss, my count was better than hers. Wow. So really... And my mother and sister knew it was a miracle, but and then obviously, obviously getting ready to be able to go home. And um, it was funny because I was attached to these little ducks I had, it, it was like a little string of ducks, it was a mama duck and three little baby ducks. And um, my mother was so excited to get me out of the hospital at one point, and I wanted my ducks. And she said, oh no, let the other children, you know, I'm like four and a half, I don't want the other kids. <laughs> right. <laughs> I don't believe them, so well, Because <laughs> she wasn't going back to get them, put it that way. Yeah. <laughs> Wow. So, I mean, obviously it was a miracle because you were, you were cured. Um, there is one other story that says that, um, this is from Mary Fowler, I guess a relic that had touched Mother Seton's remains. She pinned it to your nightgown. Is that? Uh, now that I can't remember, but okay. it could possibly be because they, they did things like that. Okay. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. So that, um, so that is pretty great. So after you got better, was it pretty much like nothing up until the beatification? I mean, are we still visiting here in contact with the sisters? Oh yeah, we were um, always in contact with the sisters. But, you know, it was like a normal thing. I was always around, you know, um, the sisters and stuff. But then there was a lot of, uh, between that time up until I was 15, it was at my last phone. Not that I had the illness, it's just they had to be sure. So I would get these bone marrows periodically. And it was it was not nice. And it upset the whole family because I was given such a fit because I didn't want to go have that done. Yeah, it's painful. It, it, it seemed like every year I had to get a bone marrow test. I mean, I don't know, so that's what it seemed like to me. So the last bone marrow test was for the, um, I think it was for the beatification, oh. and I had to go to Boston. And, to the, and then the, I don't know if they do, in, in those days they didn't give you any anesthesia because it would interfere with something. So you, you didn't, they, they would take this needle and go right down straight into your bone. Hurts like you 
what. So, yeah. <laughs> so this was all done um, just really to prove that you were cured? Yeah. Wow. I mean, the suffering that you went through for Mother Seton, like, to get her to canonization, I mean, that is, I had no idea. I mean, that's pretty amazing. Yeah, yeah. And the, and the funny thing was, when I was 15, I didn't care if anybody, you know, thought it was a miracle. I was 15. Right. I, and then Mother said to me, and it's from Mother Seton. And I mean, I can't deny my mother. I'm just like, I don't know if I was willing, but I got had to be willing. <laughs> But I did a female call. So, and then my mom, through so that last phone now, because after that I was determined uh, there was never ever any more of that. So my mom, was, she got sick, and it is weird. I have to go through this phone now, and my mother can't be with me because she got the flu. <laughs> wow, so you had to do that on your own. Yeah. So she got really sick, yeah. So then you go to Rome for the beatification, right, at 15? Yeah. Um, before we get into that, um, and I just, I'm just wondering if prior to all these steps that became involved toward the canonization process, they're finding you as a miracle. Um, prior to that, can you recall when it's like your earliest memory or moment where for yourself you knew Elizabeth Ann Seton more as a friend, um, more as a patron for you, um, apart from being cured through her intercessions? I, I'm just curious. I don't know if that's a complicated question, but. Uh, well, I think, well, I'm a complicated person. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but. I didn't. I didn't want to feel different, right? And, and that's and that's kind of what. And so, I mean, I knew about Mother Seat, but I had a great devotion even as a little girl to the Blessed Mother. I just loved the Blessed Mother, and I really loved to see Jesus. And I guess through that love is how I got to understand the love of the saints. Yeah, and those are two things that Elizabeth was also devoted to, you know, the divine infant and and Mary. And But it kind of sounds like a, as a child, kind of going through the normal childhood stuff, you don't want to be singled out, you don't want to be special in any way. So that was really driving your thoughts. Um, was it more, yeah. I think, once you got to adulthood that you started, that relationship kind of changed a little bit? Um. Yeah, it did. That, you know, then I realized, you know, I, it, I could relate to Mother Seton a little bit, and then I could, and then I'm relating more to her now um, with things, you know, with, with um, suffering, her suffering, and her graces and the, and the gifts she had to be such, um, and she used them. She, she figured that out. She was right. able to right. do and that. And that's how she accomplished so much. We're well, still in a little baby stage. <laughs> <laughs> we all are, I think. <laughs> um, um, yeah. But I'm, I'm grateful for God for those graces. I mean, life happens. In other words, it had nothing to do. Life goes on, miracle or no miracle. Right. <laughs> right. Right. And um, whether, you know, but the thing of it is, 
we have to also realize that was a big miracle. Yes, that was a big thing. But if we couldn't have our daily miracle, how could we survive? Well, that is correct. I mean, that is true. Um, do you know who, uh, like, was it your family or was it Sister um, Fowler? Like, who put forth your story? Like, how did your story kind of get out there to be um, kind of considered a miracle? I guess because of the way, well, it, you know, started in saying I wound up at University uh, Hospital, well, University of Maryland Hospital, and I think that that's where the blood specialist was, Dr. Stocks. I think I had to get go down there and they would do blood work every day and then they would do the medicine. And all the children that were under this, I guess, experimental whatever, they all died. I didn't. But um, when the miracle happened, Dr. Sachs just said, I wish there was more, this, uh, you know, I wish more of this would have happened. And, you know, he wasn't saying one way or the other, but at the medical thing, it's, nothing has ever happened like this before medical history. You know, that was wow. his. Um, so when you went to the beatification, I saw a, a quote here that said that you were singled out by Pope John the Twenty Third, who blessed you, and that you had said that you thought that was the happiest moment of your life. Do you remember? Do you remember meeting him? Well, I I do remember meeting him, and you know, it was like we were um, on the sidelines. You know, however, it, it was huge. We would, if you ever look at the pictures, you can see it's all the hats and, you know, nuns and the free. And it's more religious there than it was anybody. Now, is this the beatification um, or the candidate? This, this is the beatification. Okay. And my mother and I were, like, um, I guess taken out of the seat and then brought down. And then we were introduced to the Pope. My mother. <laughs> was the one probably said that. <laughs> because my mother loved that Pope. <laughs> and uh, it was nice because, uh, I mean, I was scared to death, really, because I thought he was like God, you know. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. And, uh, but my mother, that was her happy. If you ever see pictures of my mother, but she's meeting the Pope's expression. She is in such joy, in such heaven. And then if you see mine, you can see I'm scared to freaking death. <laughs> <laughs> you were 28 when Mother Seton was canonized, and you went to that as well. Did your mother go to the canonization with you? Yes. Oh, my mother, my sister Jean, now she's the in the second oldest, so she's right behind it. So she was in the middle of all this growing up, too. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, what affects one child affects, you know, their siblings, for sure. Um, because I remember when I was four, they had, I don't know where they found this card. You know, they sent me up a card, and Jeannie's at the outside, because we were close. She was outside, and she's, I'm four and a half, so she's two and a half. And 
they sent up this card and it had a little tear, I miss you. And I always remember that tear and I love that. <laughs> to this day, I just don't why they make like cards that like her tear was, if she wanted me to come home, her little tear was in the card. Oh, that is so sweet. That reminds me of some of the things we have of Mother Seaton. Some of the things we have of Mother Seaton, so you can see where she had been crying on the page. Um, so it's kind of neat. Um, so did you meet Pope Paul VI? Um, yes, yes. I was introduced to Pope Paul VI. And, 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 um, so I get over there, and I, my sister Jean and my mother are together. So the ticket, that Jean and my mom, well, maybe they didn't. I don't know how it would happen, but Sister Mary Alice, my sister Jeannie, was Sister Mary Alice sitting with us? I don't think. Which they may have been. Well, anyway, Sister Mary Alice, my mother, and Jeannie were together. Then it was me and my husband. And, um, sitting together. Now, before this, the, the morning before this, all these tickets are coming out that you have to have to get into this arena of um, the square or whatever it was that they had set up. So, my tickets never came. Oh. <laughs> and I guess my mother and Sister Mary Alice were either left out or something, but they never had audience to pay. Now, my husband got all the tickets. He got audience with the Pope, sit in the, in the chair, whatever, what hell it was. And uh, I don't know how, if that's the only thing they did, just gave my mother tickets just to be in the audience. But I had nothing. <laughs> I had one baby, baby to get in. I don't know how I got in, but I, I got it. So, so now that now it's time for the audience and they're all scrambling for the miracle and i have tickets to go up there and my mother said she was happy i said i'm not going if it wasn't for you and sister's faith i wouldn't be sitting here see i'm angry yeah i'm very angry so so my husband because my mother said she's got to so my husband you know he said oh here, take this to go go up and see the Pope. And my mother said she when she because I was very little scared to go up to that is to get into that that part of that uh, to see the Pope or see blessed whatever that was. So I get up there and I'm very upset. I'm crying because my mother and sister are are going. And it, to me, that was just wrong. And I didn't understand. But then again, I didn't have a ticket, so I don't know where the tickets went. You know what I'm saying? Right, like, right. Did they get lost or did just, you know, misplaced? But, you know, all these guys that lost the charge or head of the game or whatever, you know, in their seat, seats of power, I'll put it that way. Yeah. All got in there. Now, I'm angry. You're gonna, I mean, I probably shouldn't say this because I was, I did meet, so I'm standing there with dear Mr. Kalen, because he was the third year, I think. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right. Mr. Kalen. And he was the dearest man, and his wife was sweet as you could. 
because they had tickets just in a piece of post. And kind of sad, and I and I probably should say this, but this is how angry I was. I don't know what the big deal is. He's just a man. Well, I think it's understandable. I mean, because you felt like your mother and Sister Mary Alice had done so much. So I can see, unfortunately, that, you know, the anger that you would have had, feeling like they were left out. Um, but to your point, like you said earlier, people are people and they're fallible. And, and right. you know, and, and the thing is, is that there were times when Mother Seton was angry and she had to, you know, go through that process and kind of check that as well. So I don't think there's anything wrong with you being frustrated with that, feeling like this was what everything had come to. And now the two people that were so involved are kind of being left out by mistake. Yeah. Well, I think it's because, you know, it's, it's something and, to be and, and celebrating. The thing with, you know, with the miracles, so anyway, I get up and I meet the Pope. He was, he, he could see, I could talk to him. And if I could have talked, maybe they could have gotten in. But I was so angry, so frustrated, now so in tears. I can't tell him. And I couldn't tell him anything. And he just looked, and if, if you see some of the pictures when he's looking down, you can see he feels so much compassion. And he just says to me, pray for me and I will pray for you. And he blessed me. And it was so nice. He held my hand. And that's all it was. And I could, you know, because it, it, it's instant. You don't, you know, sit down and have this big conversation with Pope. It's just you're being introduced mm -hmm. and getting a blessing. So I did come out a little, uh, I did leave a little, um, can't say happy. It, it, it's a better word for that. Um, a healing of, um, um, encouragement, I guess, from the Holy Spirit, you know, that yeah. somehow we will get through, you will get through life, you, you know, this is, this is, you know, your situation, not with the miracle, but life in general, our situation where we are in life, because you know there's so much pain in it, so much happiness, and so much of this in our faith, so, that's really what it it, it really did it, uh, give the insurance on that you know and it still does to this day and so I'm really grateful with that because not everybody gets that right one gets that insight to um, what God's doing all the time even in such pain yeah and maybe you know that was what needed to come out of that for you right. Yeah. Right. So, um, I do have a, a question um, on a little bit more of a, a lighthearted side. <laughs> so, Sister Mary Claire Hughes, we had interviewed her as well, and she was at the canonization process too. And when we got to the same question with her about you know meeting the Pope and what that whole experience was like, um, she pretty much came away with the only thing that was striking to her in meeting him was that when he turned around and looked at her, it was his blue eyes. 
Um, and it's like nothing else mattered <laughs> except for his just striking yeah. blue eyes, apparently. I said, I think the question was, what was the best thing about the canonization? And she said, when he turned around and looked at me, and I saw <laughs> his beautiful blue eyes. Um, so do, do you remember, like, what's the standout thing for you for the canonization? Uh, like I said, it was such, um, it was such chaos. You know, at one point, and that was really, I guess that, you know, it was a spiritual um, thing that you can't see that's going around that really wants to make a scene. Yeah. Um, was definitely there around me, this chaos, and this, um, at that point, even around, but my mom, see, even to the point, you know what it was, I didn't have a, I didn't have a ticket to go up to retail home with Camina, I don't think, for the post. I mean, I was sitting in the same row everybody else was sitting in. Well, I don't know what it was. <laughs> well, and I think it's perfectly understandable. No, no, I think it was my, I think it was Sister Mary asked my mother. At this point, my mother was in such heaven, or however she was, just so. But this little Italian, because this, this guy, because these tickets, I mean, you have to have all these tickets to do everything. So my mom, she doesn't even know all this stuff is going on with me and this, this usher, Italian usher. He was so upset his teeth were going in and out of his mouth, <laughs> all these, because he was, you know, and I didn't want to interfere with whatever my mother was doing. He was, so this little Italian nun knew the situation, and she came over and she was blah, 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 blah with her, and then he just let us all go. Wow. So it sounds like to me that your relationship with Mother Seton, you didn't want it like to be out there, like this huge production, that you have more of a, a quiet relationship intimate. with her. Yeah, an intimate relationship with her. Just and and you yeah. prefer it that way. Yeah. Well that's wonderful. So after like all of this and like I said, we're approaching the seventieth anniversary. Selfish. I don't know, but oh, I don't you. think it's selfish. No, no. <laughs> I mean, I I find that even for myself, in my in my practicing of the Catholic faith, you know, I'm a little bit on a quieter side, a more intimate level with how I am in tune to everything, you know, from the gospel, the word, to prayers, and I don't exactly always share it with other people because it's just for myself it's just for me and it's what i need and i think that is what god intends for us and i think even the patron saints that we find it's supposed to be a relationship between the two people People. not to share with everybody (laughs) to the world no i think actually that's the way it should be and i think uh you have a unique relationship with mother seton that no one else living right now has and it is special and it should be guarded. And you should, to, in my opinion, you should keep that between you and Mother Seaton because that's what will keep it special. Um, yeah, and that's, and that's where she is. She's with God and that's all the same. Right. You're with God and that's, that's your time. That's, that's where you want to be. Uh, and I just heard something very, very, um, when we're striving for heaven, when we dealing with or something like our heavenly way, we are, we're right now experiencing a piece of heaven. This is 
what we're doing, even though we're in this world. And that and that will keep you, you know, focused if you could just keep looking at the heavenly, the heavenly point you're in. Right. And you know, and our and our faith is a beautiful faith because of the sacrament. So when we have that time, we will be we always have the sacrament to go to confession, communion, you know. So we're in heaven. It's just we haven't gotten the the be able to see, you know, to do what we can do. Because there's always work to do in heaven. I, you know, I figured that all out. <laughs> or you want people to know about Mother Z. What is the one thing that people could turn to her for or find find in her? She was a pers- person that seeked the truth. And every truth she knew, she just um, gave us that example and stuck by it. She, she was just a truthful That's Christian nice. looking for, and he let her the point she was and um, so she's just encouraged she encourages people to seek the truth yeah I mean that's correct <laughs> I feel like um, yeah yeah she like you said earlier she was a good example of someone who had all these these trying times and just kept pushing forward and right the and, truth. I mean it was even to the point where she, you know like she was that troubled teen where she really had the thought of suicide, but because of her truth, you know, the image of young teenager or whatever the stage of their life that was, there was still that Holy Spirit there through a, a faith, faith right. that she walked away from that and, you know, that just started to keep seeking the truth. And then she went on with her life, her family, and then she eventually found the truth. You know, the real, you know, the truth in the church with the unwavering faith that she, that part that she, uh, this, um, that she was gifted with. I mean, I bet, you know, the clarity, I guess you would say. Oh. And that's what, you know, going through life does. But she just, she was being, um, like bombarded uh, with all that, you know, because of all the trials she had to go through with her family and her kids and her uh, conversion and living in the time she lived in, and um, and I she, and she as tiny as she was, as smart as she was, it was like. She could let them all have it. She, she just knew the truth. I mean, it's just the way it was. Right. Right. A great example for that. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, Anne, as you're talking and um, and I'm listening to you, and it's just such a beautiful story. So thank you for sharing with us today. And, but I just wanted to kind of share for a moment. You know how I am. <laughs> I get reflective and I have to share. But I think this is the first time that for myself, uh, wow, you know, Elizabeth, St. Elizabeth Ann Seton isn't present only when I'm challenged with life or, you know, or there's a situation that's happening and I need help. 
she's very present in my life every day. And I probably a lot of it is because I do work here at the Seton Shrine. And right. so we're always sharing her story. But again, when I guess I want to ask you is Elizabeth's been with you your entire life um, since you were four years old. Do you think about her every day? I mean, I know you said you you really do look to the Blessed Mother and the um in Jesus, just like Elizabeth did. But I'm just kind of curious if you share with us that just what Elizabeth is present every day. Mother, yeah, what do you feel about Mother? I do draw to her, you know, but she she always draws me back to where I need to be in prayer or you know uh, her friends in heaven or whatever. But um, what I feel is she seeks me out as a friend. So I, in return, now are trying to be a, to, to keep that friendship. And she always is inviting me. Yeah, she is just there holding my hand, like, you know, with all the saints and Jesus and the Holy Spirit, bless them, everybody, you know. Mm-hmm. You just hang on to that every day because there's so much in your family. You need every day these miracles. If it's just a miracle getting through the day mm-hmm. with what's going on, you know. Right. So she has mm-hmm. just been a very, we become friends. You know, she it's just wonderful. She's like she's become she's the grandmother I never knew. <laughs>
Well, and um, I don't want to take up any more of your time. So thank you so much. This was wonderful. Uh, okay. We really and hopefully right. we'll. Now, like I said, this is just a a, a a drop in the bucket of really what everything's all about. If you get what I'm saying. Yes, I do. Without, yeah. So anyway. Well, thank you. Okay.